Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Welcome back to Tennis Podcast Tower's Indian Wells, where you find us at 10.30pm this Tuesday evening watching tennis the majority of the day's fourth round matches have been played and completed but some remain notably tommy paul against felix auger aliasim who are currently locked at one set apiece we'll keep you posted uh so keep listening for soon to be out of date tennis news <laughs> our it's favorite what, segment it's what you've all tuned in for but no we've uh we've watched plenty of completed matches today and there is no shortage of stuff to talk about. David's here. Hello. Yeah, I'm quite glad Matt has been put in charge of the agenda and actually writing all of this down because uh, I've long since forgotten <laughs> what happened in the early afternoon. And, and yesterday. We've got some mm. of yesterday's action to talk about too. So yes, uh, a tournament that is quite hard to keep track of. Well, except that today everybody it, it played... Neat. And everybody was in the same round, which mm. has helped me out mm. immensely. Uh, tomorrow, that all goes out the window. <laughs> where We split sides again. But anyway, today, it's all very neat and tidy. We know where we are. And what we've just watched this evening, we'll sort of start backwards, shall we? And start with what we've just watched, which is Iga Svantec beating Emma Raducanu 6-3, 6-1, which... Sounds like a beatdown, doesn't it? But it wasn't. It, I mean, second set, yes, it was. Bit of a landslide, one-sided. I think Raducanu faded physically, whether that's to do with the illness she's been suffering with. There were a few sort of coughs and exhalations from her in that second set. She definitely did fade physically. But Svantec was in a match there in that opening set. I know 6-3 sounds fairly one-sided, but... It really wasn't. It was one it was one lapse in concentration or one lapse in level from Raducanu to get broken and all the other games were close. And that was a similar story in Shvantec's match yesterday against Bianca Andrescu, who somehow managed to take Shvantec to a, a tie-break second set. But Shvantec isn't having those lapses. And when she does, it's lapsing from a 10 out of 10 to a sort of 8 out of 10. I mean... She is so clinical. She's vicious on the court. She's absolutely 
assassin like she is to, to quote the americans at the australian open locked in brackets penis in a scribble <laughs> <laughs> yeah how do i follow that um look i i i find it very interesting to watch Sviantec against these two opponents andrescu and uh radicano because they're both Grand Slam champions. They both won the U.S. Open very recently, and yes, they did a they did a good job of staying with her for portions, um, Andrescu for longer, uh, for more of more portions of her match. Um, still didn't take it to three sets, but she certainly looked the part, looked played some of the tennis she can play. I'm, I'm sure it wasn't her very best tennis, but it was it was good. And Raducanu had certainly six games or, or so in the first set where she really looked like the player that won the US Open. But Shriantek was just kind of cruising during those spells and staying with them while they had their best spell. And then she she just puts her foot down and there's no rally balls, really. There's no kind of let's just um, spar She's just looking to finish you. With mm. as soon as she finds a range, she's looking to end you in a rally. And unless you are Elena Rybakina or Arena Sabalenka or players with that sort of vicious power who don't allow her to to just take over, I mean, it is such a big ask to out tennis Iga Swiatek. Mm. Yeah, all, all the players that have beaten Swiatek this year, we we spoke about it a couple of weeks weeks ago have taken the racket out of Sviantec's hand especially on return I think uh Krejcikova Rabakina Pagula in those lightning fast conditions at the start of the year you've got to be able to do that because otherwise Sviantec just takes charge of the point and takes over the match and um I was really struck by having by seeing Adekanu and Andrescu have to scramble against her and hit slice forehands on the run. And Andrescu, in particular, did a brilliant job of causing Sviantec to just malfunction a little bit with, with some of her variety and her defence. But it didn't last long. And then quickly Sviantec shifted gears and, and took over again. And what struck me most, actually, about the Sviantec-Andrescu uh, night was the mood that Sviantec was in after the match. Mm. Firstly, in her uh, encore interview, where she was just beaming and talking up her own game and talking about how good she felt. And then they did this thing where they had to hit balls into the crowd. It's called Game Set and Catch. Sorry, but... yes, it does have a catchy yes, name. I didn't know it had a name. <laughs> <laughs> how can you not know it? They announce it I do know loud it. and clear. <laughs> Every, every time, David. <laughs> right. It's time for game set and catch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and anyway, she wasn't very good at it, Eosfiontek, <laughs> um, because she was she was trying to get it up to the top tier, and she was she was, she hitting, was aiming for the media seats. Yeah, I'm sure she was she was hitting them up, and then suddenly she realised halfway through that she was hitting it into the wind, and she re-grabbed the mic and said, "I can't believe I've just played I've just played a whole match on this court." And I've forgotten which way the wind's blowing. Let me try the other way. And it, it was honestly just the sign of someone so 
confident, so sure of themselves. Like, you know, she's she's an introvert, Iga Svantec, and yet she was feeling herself out there. She was feeling confident. She was talking to the crowd. And, yeah, she, she then fired them the other way and just came across as someone totally just high confident on and high yeah. on themselves it was you know maybe this maybe i'm reading too much into it but no it really we had the same reaction to it didn't she? because after she did that she she grabbed a pen and she jogged over to um the the back of the court where there was a, a an agglomeration of autograph hunters with you know enormous tennis balls and stuff and she was just bounding around them desperate to sign as many as possible and yeah, we see that a lot from tennis players, but exactly as you say, Matt, not necessarily introvert Iga Shontek. It was very um, check me out. It was check me it out. It was very yeah. check me out. and Maybe it's rubbed off from <laughs> yeah. the previous match. Yeah, it, it was, um, yeah, it was notable. And gosh, she's got this look in her eye that's really terrifying and it's Djokovic like you know players come out knowing I've got to be at my very best and to Emma Raducanu's credit she was early doors it was incredibly impressive I thought particularly I was really impressed by her intensity it felt like a match those early stages I I was upstairs taking my makeup off and I shouted down I like the look of this (laughs) (laughs) David said yep let's yep Calm down. <laughs> 15 minutes later, <laughs> basically all over. Yeah, because Svantec's attitude is, okay, you're playing well, but I can see that you're having to absolutely redline it. Mm. Let's, say, let's see if you can keep that up, because I'm I'm at 7 out of 10 at the moment. I've got more gears, and I know you're at 10 out of 10. Yeah. So she, let's see where we are in half an hour. She, she's the anti-Andy Murray. It's the it's the 14th of March and she still hasn't played a three set match she this has. year. I mean that I, that includes a few losses of course yeah, a, couple, a few one-sided and, ones. And and the interesting element of this run at this tournament to me is she's playing more or less like she was when she was losing eight games in 10 sets the other week. Um but then she ran into somebody picked on someone her own size sort of thing and played Barbara Kritikova and lost. Um, and and same thing against Elena Rybakina at uh, uh, the Australian Open. Now, Krachikov is not in this tournament anymore. Will will that happen again? I mean, the, I know some some people have, have pointed out that she wasn't feeling that well mm. when she was in Dubai. She she was under the weather, wasn't she? And maybe that was a factor. Maybe that's why she's bounding around now. Is because she doesn't feel under the weather. I really think this is a an, an interesting sunshine double for her because I could see her going undefeated at, uh, and winning the both but will she so so I'm I'm just really interested to see well look she, she's got a on paper a favorable uh, quarterfinal match against Serana Castella who beat Caroline Garcia 7-5 in the third this evening in the words of Matt Roberts every now and then Serana Castella just forces you to think about her having not thought about her for months here she is doing that good for her (laughs) and now she gets the chance to uh, take on the world number one which you know good luck to her but on paper that looks tough she must be in her 30s now I would have thought Serena Castella yeah because she has do you remember when she when she came along as a teenager and 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 I I really like the way she's she is just hanging around in her career and still wringing results out of her career 
She is 32, wow. and her career high ranking was in 2013 yeah. at 21. Wow. That's great. Well, look, beating Garcia, 7-5 in the third. Having, she was she was a break-up in the third, wasn't she? Squandered it. Garcia looked to be um, on course to take it. That's that's a heck of a win for her. But let's be frank about this. She only took the heavy favourite in their quarterfinal. But then... The likely semi and final opponents, and there's a lot of tennis to be played before these matches end up coming off, but they would be Rabakina and Sabalenka. Would like to see Would those like matches. to see both those matches. Rabakina against Rabakina, Sabalenka? No, it would be Shvantek would face Rabakina in the semis. Okay. And then Sabalenka in the final, if she oh, were to yeah. beat Rabakina in the semis. That would be a That's a lot of projecting I'm doing, admit. but... We like that. Oh, yes, <laughs> we like, like that. I like projecting. It's good. And I want to see both those matches. There's also a bunch of other matches I'd like to see, you know, if different res- results take place. But if it ends up going according to seeding, then I'm happy with those matches. Uh, Rabakina qualified for the quarterfinals via a very straightforward win over Vavara Gracheva. She plays Karolina Mukova in the quarterfinals. Mukova having beaten the inexplicable uh, Marquette of Androsheva 6-4 in the third. Yeah, and I think quite an Im- a good name. <laughs> impressive win because she, she had a match point in the second set. Mukova looked like she was going to wrap it up pretty straightforwardly. And then Vondrosheva started being Vondrosheva, made things a lot well, more complicated. Well, and Mukova started being Mukova because of the strapping situation. Oh, or well, did she come on to she, court She with came that? on to court with that. I said to Catherine, God, have you seen the strapping that Mukova's got? And Catherine said, oh, yeah, I saw she was, I saw she was clutching her arm. I said, oh, no, the strapping's on her leg. <laughs> and it was all very Mukova. All of her was hurting. Uh, and yet... Describe this strapping. Oh, it was every... It was two different colours. <laughs> For starters, <laughs> on two different legs. Two different legs. Um, it was on her inner right thigh and just everywhere on like, her left thigh. It was like strapping and then tape. Yeah, all different directions. Mm. It looked like someone had done it in a frenzy. <laughs> <laughs> like me at Christmas. It's like sort of <laughs> yeah. Jackson Pollock had painted on her with kinesio tape. Okay. But anyway, it worked. <laughs> She won 6-4 in the third. Um, and, you know, Mukova Rabakina, interesting, I think. Yeah, if if Mukova can get into that match, you feel like she's got the tools to try and disrupt mm. Rabakina. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? Power the against a disruptor. Exactly, like but Rabakina can just hit you off the court. Yeah. And she's so she's such a clean ball striker. I don't see her I think it's more likely that you might do it against Sabalenka than Rabakina mm. in a mm. way. I feel like she's a bit more measured, but fascinated to see. Sabalenka plays Coco Goff in the quarterfinals. That one will be tomorrow. Sabalenka having beaten Barbora Krejcikova today in three sets. We wa- we watched um well, the portion that we watched live of this was the second set when Krujikova was very much on top and we had to leave clang alert here. We had to leave to, to do some, to meet the queue of people that were waiting for us <laughs> <laughs> at Steve Fergal's booth. Who who are we? Goodness me. <laughs> what have we turned into? Um, yeah, but at the point that we left, we felt, 
you know, David, you asked me, who no, or I asked you. Anyway, we were both in agreement that we thought Craig Chikova would, would win from that oh, yeah. point on. Yeah, I, I, quite right. I mean, levelling it up and Sabalenka looking a bit wayward, really, in her game at that point. And Krichikova seems to have a more compact game. And, uh, and and also, she's just been in really good form of late. She's she's won that title. She's looked everything you would you'd want her to be when she's at her best. And I, I mean, I left that match at that point, so I I don't really know how it went um, in in the third set in terms of the dynamics of it. But I, th- I think that's impressive from Sabalenka mentally from where mm. she was at the end of that second set. Yeah, agree. Mm. And she's, she's still only lost one match all year, Sabalenka, and that was to Craig Chikova. So she's now sort of put yeah. that straight. So there's okay, she hasn't played Iga Sviontek yet. Again would like to see it <laughs> uh, but she's just in such good form at the moment mm. Sabalenka running into Coco Goff mm. tomorrow I think Sabalenka is the favourite in that Goff today it was all about the grit and the fight and the competitiveness wasn't it against Rebecca Pettersson I think is I think Chanda Rubin on Tennis Channel was saying Peterson okay I'm going to go with Chanda. I hope I haven't thrown Chanda under the bus there. <laughs> you said it. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca Peterson, the Swedish player who's been around a long time, it feels, and is she's she's just there, she's plugging away, good player, but she's she's not someone you look out for ever as a potential upset. And you know, we sat down and watched the opening stages today, and we were like, why not? She's Really game. good. She's got game. And I know she's in some form at the moment. Semi-finalist. I think finalist in Merida. In Merida. The, her her sort of warm-up tournament for here, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, coming in here high on confidence. And maybe that's maybe that's all it's taken to ignore. Because, you know, technically, that game looks looks good to me. And so, so it proved. I mean, Coco Goff, 4-2 down in the decider. It was all about... Her fight, mm. and I—that's my favourite Coco Golf. Seeing her fight like that, I just—I love it. Mm. Yeah, me too. And she was talking about the conditions today being very different to everything she's experienced in this tournament so far. And it was cloudy, overcast, not that warm today. I had had a jumper on the whole day, um, and. She said previous matches the ball was jumpy and it was lively. And today she just couldn't feel like she could get any any depth on her shots. And that was very much what we were watching. Peterson's got a really big forehand uh, and was kind of dominating with it for a lot of the match. Uh, so, yeah, Goff to, to tough that one out in, in sort of trademark style, I suppose. Goff, Sabalenka, talk amongst yourselves, folks. I'm just looking up that head-to-head. What do you think? What do you think for that? I think Sabalenka, but I mean, I the th- retreat, the the physicality and retrieving of Goff, yeah, I mean, on a slow court. I think it could be close. I, I do. I, Goff wasn't great today, um, and she was playing kind of a an arena Sabalenka kind of player who isn't as good today. So I don't think she's going to get away with that performance again. But you're right. I mean, there's a there's a champion in her 
whether whether her game is going to end up being good enough, we'll wait and find out. I mean, I think it is going to be uh, to get to get one at some point. But mentally, I mean, she's just awesome um, and, and 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 a great watch too. And leads the head to head three one. Hmm, it's where, and where in, including a victory 7-6 in the third. I am remembering this now in Toronto last year. I did say it'd be class. Mm. So, you know. They played in Ostrava last year. Ostrava? No. No, 2020. 2020 Ostrava. Also 7-6 in, in the third. The, I tell you what, David, this head-to-head is looking promising. Excellent. For this match. Only one matchup that hasn't gone the absolute distance. And that was on clay in Rome in, in 2021. At what point do we say that, you know, Sabalenka is a different player now? Mm. You know, sometimes we look at head-to-heads and we think, well, that's it's kind of pointless because she's so different now. You know, I remember when... and. Her name is always brought up and it's like, oh, where's she? I do hope she comes back. Jen, Jennifer, Jenny Brady. There was a time where it was like, gosh, she's just completely different. now. I think Jessica Pagula is probably in that category as well. You know, anything sort of post-pandemic is is very different for Pagula. Uh, And I feel like even since the start of this year, Sabalenka just feels more reliable, stronger, less likely to have a lapse in a match, more likely to bounce back from a lapse, mentally tougher, more confident, you know, all the reasons why she's the Australian Open champion. And that, that must I would make that her should quite be, a strong favourite. That's surely Goff. the line, isn't it? It's after Australian Open and before. And right. is there a different player? Well, I would have thought there has to be because that is such a monumental moment in her life. And remember how much of a struggle it was to get over the line in the match too but she mm. did it uh, she knows she's got that in her and she and her appetite is no less ravenous than than it was before she just wants it she wants to win and we should probably say that conditions could be a factor again tomorrow we're expecting rain we're expecting it to be slow i guess and actually that that might help Goff. I know she struggled in the conditions today, but if it's scrappy and Tabalenka mm. can't play her best, I'm expecting some sort Goff. of refund from the Palm Desert Tourist Board. <laughs> rain. Two, two days of two, rain. Two days of rain. Outrageous. And there was one last week. The, well, that's what I mean. That's what we mean. And there's gone tomorrow and there's a bit today. For there a few was, seconds. Oh, there was no delay. Well, it was grey cloud. A bit. What was that? Yeah, I agree. It was disappointing, mm. David. It was very disappointing. <laughs> Don't play this podcast <laughs> to my wife, will you? <laughs> um, the fourth quarterfinal uh, that was set up today, Maria Sakkari, she beat Karolina Pliskova three sets, of course. Of course. Of course. I mean, and a little th- bit three of Three out of three, isn't it? Three out of three, three yes. setters. Is, yeah. Yes. Zachary has a pattern. Her pattern is so predictable. And we joke about it. But also when we joke about it, I'm sort of thinking, yeah, but it's not going to happen again, is it? <laughs> Surely not. And it, it's, it's almost absurd now. Really is. The difference today was she won the first set. 
um, rather than losing the first set and coming back to win the second. Um, but of course, she went down a break in the decider and, you know, we pointed at the screen and said, Zachary's got political right where she wants her. <laughs> and so it proved. The only thing we perhaps weren't expecting from this was a little spot of aggro. Oh, yeah. What, mm. what was that all about? It was towards the end of the match and Pliskova hit a passing shot. Sakri was up at the net and that passing shot went long. But Sakri had put her racket out to, to hit a volley and Pliskova was absolutely convinced that Sakri had touched the ball with her racket. So it should have been Pliskova's point. Umpire didn't call it. I think Pliskova's argument was, well, Sakari knows she should call that on herself. She's even posted the uh, still and put it on Instagram. Wow, that is quite (laughs) salty, isn't it? I love it when they double down on Mm. the aggro. Have we had a Maria Sakari response yet? I don't believe so. Matt's monitoring it. I'm on it. He's got both windows open simultaneously, (laughs) probably with notifications. I hope the response involves, this is not professional. (laughs) Tamara Corpatch style. Of course, those two have had... Not, I don't think aggro between them before, but it was it was Sakari that Pliskova was playing, where she famously smacked the umpire's chair with her racket multiple times. Was that in Rome? Right. Certainly on clay. I, um, I'd say that's fairly agrotastic. But I don't know whether it was, it was aimed at Sakari. Sakari was a mere bystander. It was in her yeah, vicinity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I do find Sakari so fascinating because she does win an awful lot of close matches. And she is someone who we have, you know, really questioned her her nerve. And it's it, again, it goes back to the pattern that, that that we're talking about. It's it's when she's in the lead that she has real issues. And even today, she had to she had to break is to it, win the match. Is it possible that she's the m- most mentally strong and the most mentally weak player? in the WTA tour at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's very complex psychology going on there, isn't she? It's the Nishikori thing of how much... The balance of mm. obviously incredible that you're winning these close matches, but also should you be in them in the first mm. place? I mean, I must say her 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 wins this week have been quite impressive because she had a, she had a 0-3 head-to-head with Rogers going into that. She had a 0-1 head-to-head against... Kalinina, so she'd never beaten mm. either of her first two opponents. And then she, um, in one of her press conferences, she, she actually cited Thomas Johansson, who used to coach her, as her kind of inspiration. Because she says, when I'm, when I'm starting a tournament, not playing well, you know, winning ugly kind of thing. She says, I always think back to a conversation I had with Thomas Johansson, who said that when he won the Australian Open in 2002... He was playing horribly in the first few rounds. Remember, he told us that, didn't exactly. he? Mm. Tennis relived. Yeah, so, so she that. says she always has that in mind when she's, you know, struggling in the first few rounds. And So should he get continued royalties? Probably. <laughs> For that yeah. bit of advice, bit of, uh, you know, psychology. Uh, I think the problem is it doesn't feel like she's finding her game. <laughs> <laughs> like... At one point, it all clicked for Thomas Johansson. <laughs> 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 
hey, well, there's still time. I guess there yeah, is still time. Well, maybe it could be against Petra Kvitova. No one clicks against Petra Kvitova, do they? I mean, she <laughs> she, she denies you any click. Yeah, you don't really have much say in the match. No. Other than running about trying to get it back. Mm. Petra Kvitova today played possibly the match of the tournament, quite frankly. We might have had the, the two matches of the tournament today, actually. We'll get on to the other one in the men's shortly. But Kvitova beat Jessica Pagula after saving four match points to win through in the deciding set tiebreak. This was the last match on Stadium One of the day session. Today it held up the night session. And in fact, it made the night session um, start in quite a flat atmosphere because it was still the aftermath of this extraordinary match. P.S. we'd like to say... Mm. Indian Wells do the most brilliant job of turning around the day and night sessions. Yeah. There's, it, it is seamless. Well, yeah, because what they do is if a night session ticket holder arrives and the night session officially hasn't started yet, they're allowed to go onto the court, go to their section, find an empty seat. They make an announcement rather than keeping everyone outside the stadium and then you've got a huge turnover to do you've got everyone out everyone in it's a whole thing for example at the u.s open you know we've all been there where there's just a huge crowd of people waiting outside the arthur ash stadium and can take half an hour 45 minutes here it's as you said completely seamless it's yeah it's really impressive and i know they don't face some of the challenges of course. that other tournaments face but it shows that it's possible yeah you know and well done to them because it 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 makes a big difference. Um, but yeah, the, the, this match, as well as the the Medvedev Zverev match, which we'll come on to, really um, delayed the start of the night session. And I can I, I totally understand why it 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 left um, an aftermath in it, its wake because it was. It was absolutely it was, epic. It was wasn't wild, it? It wasn't was it? Absolutely epic. We watched this actually. Well, we watched quite a lot of it live, but we ended up watching the denouement together on a on a screen. And again, clang coming up here in the um, in the on location. Steve Fergal's um, suite. Very nice. It was too. <laughs> Very nice. It was too. <laughs> all all stand, and it was one of those things where you're in a room full of strangers and a lot of those strangers probably weren't massive Petra Govitova fans or maybe knew you know maybe knew about Jessica Pagula because she's American whatever but by the end you're all having this incredible shared experience in different ways there were there were people over to our left that had developed a sort of dance type thing a cheer combined with a dance it was just yeah it was you know nobody had turned up that day us included thinking we're we're going to be absolutely obsessed with Jessica Begula and Petra Kvitova for for 20 minutes with a room full of strangers but and then it's going to be something that you'll remember for a long time but 24 point tie break and and you're right I mean everybody was looking at each other when and that was oh no oh wow it's great (laughs) great stuff and I mean the contrast between the two you'd got Kvitova who just seems to play her own type of percentage tennis I I'm going to blast the ball 
for a winner or a loser. <laughs> and that's all there is to it. Yeah, it's percentage tennis. It's just lower percentage yeah. tennis. <laughs> but, you know, she doesn't seem to doubt us, doubt that approach at all. She doesn't beat herself up. It goes wrong. She just cracks on. That's the magic ingredient, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is really. And and we saw a side to Jessica Pagula that I must admit, maybe listeners to this podcast will, will say, I knew this all along, but I did not know what an amazing retriever she is because I'm used to her trying to dominate rallies. I mean, we have seen her on the back foot against certain players. She's got out hit by Igor Svantec at times, although she did win that, that recent one at the start of the year. But in this match, there was no chance for her to be on the front foot, certainly in that set and a half that we were watching. Um, she was just chasing balls down, but her ability to, I don't know whether it's predict, guess, just feel which way it was going and get there and scramble it back was amazing and it was even more amazing that Petra Kvitova still won the match despite having to hit that many extra shots mm. I'm sure the, the court surface played a part in that Daniel Medvedev will absolutely assure me um, because it would have slowed Kvitova's big shots up a little bit but they were both doing what they do to the hilt and it was just a treat to watch it yeah and you said that um Petra Kvitova saved four match points and that is so true she saved them like I don't think Pagula did an awful lot wrong maybe some more first serves in that in that tie break would have would have helped but the forehands that Kvitova hit to save a bunch of those match points was just extraordinary and she yeah. reminded me how good her forehand is yeah this evening i haven't watched a whole lot of petra Kvitova recently and i was like mm. why haven't i been watching petra Kvitova forehands yeah all the time it, something about the flight of the ball off that that forehand when she was hitting it like she was and i know there were two very crucial missed forehands in that tie break that i was certain we'd end up talking about in the podcast i thought that was going to you know That's those it. were what she were going to cost her the match yeah she was missing them when she was up yeah you know she was missing them to close but she was finding them absolutely when she needed to and she was match point down or it was you know seven all or something you know she just kept coming up with brilliance and then on match point a fantastic serve volley with the with the backhand volley that went right onto the sideline and, and Pagula couldn't quite chase it down. And it was impressive because she's not a comfortable volleyer, Petra Kvitova, really. Um, and, you know, she, she just kept on going for it. And I know that's her game. That's that's all that she knows. It's She's been doing this a long time now. You know, yeah. she knows who she is. She knows her game. She knows what works. But it's still admirable to watch it isn't isn't it you know a lot of players wouldn't have recovered from that missed forehand no. on match point mm, yeah and yeah it was it, it just reached that stage where it was going to be a really tough match to lose you know for whoever did lose it and I, I can't help but notice that I'm I'm drinking a Heineken at the moment which is Jessica Pagula's signature move isn't it in a misery drink of choice in a uh, post-match defeat press conference i i hope she's had a few or maybe a maybe a slightly harder drink after that one or um or a cuddle with coco andrescu mm. which is um according to instagram how bianca 
coped with her loss to Iga Swiatek last night. It was a a heck of a match, and it set up a Kvitova Sakari quarterfinal. That is the first match in the night session tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Now I mentioned uh, I've teased... I've teased the uh, the men's match of the day, and that was Daniel Medvedev beating Alexander Zverev seven five in the third set. It was it was the greatest hits of, of Daniel Medvedev, including a new hit, which was a, a sort of a massive injury mid match, after which he seemed to get better. Also. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe not immediately, but, but and it, you know, and he might not even be able to play tomorrow, and yet he seemed mm, to get better. Yeah, I mean, it was an, an ankle turn in the second set that look. I know they always look bad or or worse in slow motion, but it looked bad to me. It looked re- it it was extreme. It was a very sharp um angle you know it was a very sort of jagged movement but then as you two pointed out the difference between that and what Zverev sustained in his French Open semi-final was there wasn't the weight on it at the time and who knows how we'll pull up tomorrow that is a big big question mark but he was able to carry on after a lot of very painful looking treatment and that is often how it is isn't it there's the the first stage with those ankle turns is shock. Oh my goodness, mm. it's agony. I'm never going to be able to walk again. Then there's a sort of grace period where I guess adrenaline kicks in and, and the pain is alleviated. And then it's suddenly, well, not suddenly, but you know, after the match the next day, that's when the swelling kicks in and it's potentially quite bad. So look, we don't know what will happen tomorrow, but this was... This was quite a match and quite an effort from Daniil Medvedev, who continues to insist that 
this is not a hard court. Mm. And he would know because, quote, I'm a specialist at hard courts. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. So good. Yeah. And I think what has impressed me most about Medvedev this week and is a sure sign that, that he's back is that he's been able to put up with a lot. You know, like a lot of it including is, his own attitude. A lot of it is of his own making. Absolutely. Yeah. His own attitude his it's not good and he's very honest <laughs> about that. And he doesn't like the court and he's not been playing as well and he turned his ankle mid match. I just don't think Medvedev of last year is still able to win all these matches. Yeah. There's a resilience. There's a resilience, there's a confidence behind him at the moment. And that's that's a big difference to last year. What he's now won what seventeen matches in a row and it just builds up and um yeah it feels unlikely that he's gonna go on to win this tournament partly because of the ankle partly because of everything i've just said but i still think it's just a good sign that he's been able to get this far in in conditions that that don't suit him and i mean he's talked he's talked a lot about the courts a lot of players have talked about the courts i enjoy seeing (laughs) This Medvedev, you know, it is it is quite funny to me, and I also enjoy the variety of speeds that we get throughout the year. I wouldn't want every hard court to be lightning quick. I wouldn't want every court to be really slow either. And you know, as Medvedev pointed out in his press conference, Cameron Norrie is perfectly happy with the court, yeah. and he might not be some weeks, but he is here, and that's that's just tennis. Yeah. Really. And it was another good press conference. I was in that one, and. Uh, he didn't sound very confident that he's going to be able to play tomorrow to me. And he did say he wants to, he'll give it a go, see how he wakes up, but it clearly stiffened up, swelled up. Um, and so I think we'll have to wait and see, but I, I'm not that hopeful that he can play or at least be competitive, really. That's, that match would be against his own backhand list, mm. Alejandro Davidovich Fakina. Yeah, he he also talked in in this this one. Uh, at the end, I asked him about the work he's still doing to try to control his emotions out there, and to because I mean, look, we all find it very funny when he when he behaves like that. He is convinced that he plays worse when he when he's in that mood. I'm not convinced about that, if I'm honest. I, I mean, I think he has boiled over in the past and it's hurt him and and he, he also said look I know that when I was a teenager I was much worse much worse you know these things would ha- these things would happen and they would tail spin out of control and there was no chance he would get them back on track whatsoever is, is there footage available of teenage well I mean look I you know we've had some of the ones which weren't funny when he when yeah, he was true. throwing money at umpires and stuff like that at, at at Wimbledon and and just really behaving obnoxiously and appallingly, to be honest, True. and and he would agree with that um, now as a as a man who's in his late twenties. But he, he's he's very clear that he he can't control it. There are days that he just can eat. He comes off the court. He knows he's done wrong. He knows he shouldn't speak to certain people certain ways, and he knows it's not helping him. But he can't stop, and. He says he's still trying to learn. He's still trying to improve. But, but I'm not sure he really believes he's going to get very far. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, very relatable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Medvedev to play Alejandro Davidovich Fakina. They've scheduled that match third on tomorrow, which it had to be uh, a day session match, I think, because of what the scheduling was today. They've given him maximum time to try and recover. Fingers crossed that match happens, but... Yeah, who knows with that kind of injury. Davidovich Fakina beat uh, Christian Garin today in uh, two straight sets. Um, we had, speaking of two straight sets, Cameron Norrie over Andre Rublev. Um, I, I gave Norrie a decent chance in this match, I think, ahead of it. I certainly didn't think it would be as, as straightforward as it was for Norrie, especially given the the match that they had at the US Open last year where... It was very one-sided, three sets for, for Andre Rublev that day. And that was when Norrie seemingly had been in really good form. So, yeah, I mean, a co- couple of things. It emphasises that that really was a miss for Norrie at the US Open last year, that he he didn't show up for that match. He should... He was in a terrible mood, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he, it was He smashed bizarre. a racket, I think, it in that match. It was bizarre, that match, because he... Yeah, Cameron Norrie is good enough to, at the very least, really challenge under a Rublev and on a on a great day, make mincemeat of him, which is pretty much what he did today. And it sounds like, you know, Rublev semi finalist here last year and seemed to be in decent form this year, but and but it came on. To, it was. It, it sounds it, like he was in the mood that yeah, Norrie was in we, at the we US were, Open. We were being warned. <laughs> we bumped into some people uh, around the grounds. We were actually just headed over to, to the Steve Fogel's booth for our signing and we bumped into some people who who, who warned David not to, not to go anywhere near Andre Rublev because it, it was all it, the things that you don't like to see from him. Yeah, even though we are obviously in discussions about future coaching <laughs> arrangements, um, if you've listened to our friend's show from just after the Australian Open, uh, when I suggested that me and Andre Rublev should be a coach-player partnership. Anyway, how did we get to that? Um, yeah, the word I got was that he's... He's being awful to himself again, and and it's early in a match, and I didn't, I didn't see a ball of it. I don't want to see that. Russell Fuller <laughs> described him as volcanic from the first point. Right. From the first point, and he'd been yeah. getting better recently at that, so mm. it's it's a shame. Mm. But by all accounts, Norrie, absolutely brilliant, and yeah, it suits him here. Loves He's a these former conditions. champion, of course, it suits, yeah, suits him. Yeah, and has here. backed up that quarter final, uh, that uh, victory with. Two quarterfinal appearances since, yeah. I think. He, Good yeah, on him. Really, really loves the conditions. Good on him. Some, uh, another a group of Brits came to see us in, in the booth today, some lovely Brits. And they were they had just watched the first set of Norrie against Rublev and we were very flattered that they had left the match to, to come and see us. Uh, and I asked for a, a potted review of what they'd seen because, you know, we'd be talking about it later. And they were raving about Norrie and... One of them was reaching for an adjective, and he said, "It's just so, it's just so sensible," <laughs> <laughs> which is such a classic mm. adjective that you end up going for with Norrie, mm. which is unfair you... <laughs> but also appropriate. Mm. You know, you he deserves better. He's such a good tennis player, but he is also really sensible. Mm. You don't you don't <laughs> gush about anyone else by calling them sensible, no. but. It's appropriate for Cameron mm. Norrie. 
So sensible. Uh, so Nori will play Matt's pick for the title, Francis Tiafo, in the first match of the day tomorrow. Mm, bit worried about that. Okay. He's, oh, had a, he's had a dream draw, Tiafo. Uh, he's played, who's he played? Marcus Giron. Uh, he played Alejandro Tabilo today. Uh, he was in the Sitsipas section, which is why, you know, we knew Sitsipas wasn't going to do anything here. I just felt like Tiafo would come through there. That's a huge test against Cameron Norrie. And I, I feel like Tiafo needs a crowd. He needs an occasion first up on a damp day doesn't doesn't suggest that that's going to be the case but if anyone can make an occasion out of that it probably is Francis Tiafo. He did, he did well today he was down an early break recovered it won pretty straightforwardly um yeah I mean it's a bit of a heart pick really I would love to just see Tiafo win this thing I mean mm. I just think that would be great news for for tennis to be honest He's he's got a chance for sure. Yeah, please, it, it, please brighten up my damp morning. <laughs> who is the favourite in that match? I think Norrie's the favourite. Former champion, former champion in good form. Only lost three matches all year. Won twenty one. U.S. Open semi finalist playing at home. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's I give one I've of the reasons why I picked him. Good good chance. I'm but giving I do it a total fifty fifty. Mm. Okay. Taylor Fritz will play uh, in a couple of days' time against Yannick Sinner. Fritz beat uh, Fucevic today in two straight sets. Pretty, pretty straightforward stuff for Fritz. It's already a good title defence for him, I would say. I mean, he'll want better. He, he very well might get better, but solid title defence, I would say. Yes, really impressive. As I said, I thought, just coming through that Ben Shelton match in mm. in his first match, he, he he did really well there. Uh, I saw him hit his I don't quite know how to describe it reverse slice serve. Oh, did he? Which we saw him do in the yes, Eisenhower I like Cup, it. Uh, where he it's on the ad side that he does it, and he hits it out wide, but with slice. Mm. He hits sort of across the ball. When he serves, I've never seen. It looks a bit sort of Mansell Barami champions tour. Yes. Yeah. Except he does it at like 120 miles an, miles an hour. hour yeah. yeah. 30 all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's a. I like really it. good shot. It's win, like it's like a win? it's like a party piece, but it's actually really effective. Really, as well, it's so hard to read. Did he win dream. the point? I think he did. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, he will play Yannick Sinner. In the quarters, who's yes, quietly please. moving his way through, isn't he? Yeah, beat Rinka today. Uh, by all accounts, Rinka. We watched a bit of this. We were trying to multi-screen. It was all happening. Rinka a bit tired, he I think, after that Runa match. He looked exhausted to me. Okay, a lot tired <laughs> after the Runa yeah. match. Yeah, I mean, Sinner. Sinner had some tape on his knee. He his knee sort of buckled a couple a couple of times, and he he fell to the floor. He was. He wasn't moving between points particularly freely, I didn't think. But in the rallies, he just had the measure of of an exhausted Wawrinka. And Fritz Sinner is... Fun. Mm. I like that. that. Do, do you think Stan was in any way shaken after the big row <laughs> the night before? I think I don't. he was. In, I don't think at any stage during or after he was shaken by that. So you beat Holger Rune. 
in the match uh, a, as a yesterday. An absolute thriller, brilliant. Full disclosure, we missed most of it because we were playing golf with Dan Evans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we were following it closely. <laughs> following it closely. Um, All yeah. life scores. <laughs> An absolute thriller. Um, and, you know, we were all hanging on the handshake. And it ends up, I don't even know how to describe <laughs> it. So, I mean, Runa's lost, obviously. So he's in a position of weakness, re-getting his own back for what Varinka said to him in Paris. But then again, what Varinka said to him in Paris, he said, in defeat. So, And what did you know, he say in Paris? He said, "My bit of a, if I've my advice to you is to stop acting like a baby." Right. Mm. Okay. So they do the handshake, so and then Runa. there's a bit of a pause, and it looks like Runa's not going to say anything, and then he clearly thinks, mm, "I've got to say something," <laughs> and he goes, mm, he sort of says quite meekly, "Well, you've got nothing to say now," but not very clearly, and Rinka just sort of looks at him like, "Huh? What? Huh? What?" And it's he just looks baffled by it and Runa has to repeat himself <laughs> and Rinka continues to look baffled and all the while Rinka has a sort of slightly condescending mm. <laughs> hand on Runa's shoulder and it's all a total misfire really. Um, well he goes what do you want me to say? <laughs> yeah and poor old Runa like we all know how it is when you've you've spent six months envisaging what you would say to someone in revenge if you had the chance you've scripted it in your mind you've dreamed about it you've written about it in your journal and then you're frozen and, th- and then it <laughs> then the moment comes and you go mm, uh, mm, if, what, what do you got to say now um yeah it was and, and, it was really lame but in a relatable way yeah and stan just <laughs> so unbothered by the whole so thing. Unbothered. Little Holgeruna and massive Stan Varinka. It all looks so He looks pathetic. like he could sort of body slam him any second. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And, and Wawrinka was asked about it in, in press and, and he said, he said Runa's gaining a reputation in the locker room that he's going to regret. Which Ooh. were big words. Oh, yeah, that, is, that is quite and, chastening, isn't and, it? And uh, <laughs> I feel like Wawrinka must be a, at the net. <laughs> I feel like Wawrinka must be a very intimidating mm. presence in that locker room, yeah. given given what he's achieved, given the way he can just put people away. Given he's agricultural, he's agricultural. Yeah. It's maybe not the wisest choice to take on Stan Wawrinka if, but then if you he hold would a say, Runa. But, but he it is what I like on, about Runa. Took, he started it, is what Runa would say. And, and I didn't, yeah, although I, Wawrinka would say Runa started it with his behaviour. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, but I, I didn't particularly like the way Wawrinka did what he did in Paris. I understand that he wanted to say something. I think he should have said it in the locker room, uh, personally. Yeah, but, but then, yeah, but then, then, Runa yeah, then Runa's mum would say as... that he screamed ya in his face. <laughs> <laughs> We're, okay. not, we're not doing anything to dampen down his locker room <laughs> reputation, are so we? So the press conference was the perfect place then. Well done, Stan. <laughs> um, in the other uh, quarterfinals set up today in the men's draw, I'm just drawing this out a bit because we actually don't know who one half of this will be. <laughs> It'll be Carlos Alcaraz, that's for sure. He beat Jack Draper via retirement this evening such a disappointment I mean look Alcaraz looked looked brilliant and bang on it but Draper never did 
Um, I clocked some kinesio tape on his stomach, on his abdominal area pretty early on. Um, he looked to be firing okay at the very start, but was just overwhelmed a bit by Alcaraz. But it didn't take long for his service speeds to just completely fall off a cliff and him to look like he was having trouble rotating the way he needed to on both wings, quite frankly. Um, and he did call the trainer onto court um, at the early stages of the second set. But then as he was serving uh, two love down in that second set, he it obviously became clear that the injury was such that there was no point in getting any treatment. And he threw in the towel and it was a, a massive disappointment. Um, Alcaraz moving on to the quarterfinals again to face the winner of a match that is potentially two points away from its conclusion. One point away from its conclusion is three match points to Tommy Paul against Felix. Yeah, it's been a really fascinating match to watch just out of a corner of our eye while we've been chatting here on the podcast because it looked as though Paul was going to race through this final set when he was three low up in it. And Ojeali Asim really dug in and some of the rallies in this match have been fantastic. The foot speed of both of them, the the whipped forehands being struck by Ojeali Asim. He's kind of doing what he does. But Paul, he's such an intelligent player. We've just seen a, a rally in which he's just hit a lovely lob that has gone over the head of Ojeali Asim and then and sort of almost like a, a setup for a passing shot with the, with the lob and we've just seen the one set point match point rather saved there by the Canadian but I mean I think Tommy Paul has done incredibly well here to get himself back after losing his lead in this deciding set because he started to lose his way and he was starting to be manhandled a bit in some of the rallies too you know we've been speculating about how well I, I certainly think Ojeali Asim would have a real a real chance against Alcaraz because he's three love up against him. I think he could move with him. But, I mean, Tommy Paul has just hit a forehand long to get another match point saved. You know, he's got a win against Alcaraz as well. Yeah, Alcaraz hasn't beaten either of these potential quarterfinal opponents. He's got an 0-4 collective record against them, which, look, he'll still be the favourite, regardless of who it is. But it makes it a bit interesting, doesn't oh, it? Sure. I was just thinking that um, Tommy Paul might fall into the category of player for whom past record doesn't mean all that much. Mm. He's different in the last six months for me, Tommy Paul. Yes, I think so. Uh, to quote... Rafa Nadal, or if Rafa Nadal were commenting on on Tommy Paul, he would he'd be keen to point out that he's fourth in the race. Oh, and actually, he's he's a, he's accumulated almost as many points this year already as he got last year. Wow! And I thought he had a pretty good year last year. Yeah. I was kind of surprised that he wasn't. Was he just outside the seedings in Aus, in Australia, or very low seed anyway? Um, I felt like he he kind of. In my mind, he was higher ranked than that, probably because the back end of last year he did have some some big wins, including over over Nadal. And this year he's been he's been awesome. As as we see, a third match point come and go. We're gonna have to drag this, we are. <laughs> this analysis out a little bit longer. That was love forty five six love forty on Angelia seems serve, and he saved those three. 
I, I don't think Tommy Paul's done anything particularly wrong there. He, well, he did. He did just hit a backhand just wide. I, I thought he made it at, at the, at the but, start. But I there. mean, Ojaliasim had hit the sideline. He's been rock solid, I think. Ojaliasim in this in yeah. this this run of three points. That's the key, isn't it? He's just brought it. He's just won another one. He's got a game point for a tiebreak. Do, do you want to do some compensating, David? Are we allowed to do Don't some compensating? So. <laughs> um, look, we'll just we'll keep chatting away it, it, for, for the. Remainder of this game, if it goes to a tie break, we'll probably call the whole thing off. I think so. You can find out <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> what a trail. Um, Al- I mean, it does make it interesting, doesn't it? That I've just said Tommy Paul's head to head, head to heads are irrelevant, but I, you know, whoever it is that faces Alcaraz and it is going into a deciding set tie break will have a bit of belief. You know, because they've beaten him before. And I think when you're facing the famous Carlos Alcaraz that everyone's talking about, and let's face it, is the star in Indian Wells. He's the guy that Larry Ellison is turning up to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only Alcaraz. He might have seen other matches, and if he has, I just haven't clocked him there or the cameras haven't picked him out. But the only matches that I've seen Larry Ellison picked out courtside for yeah. have been Carlos Alcaraz matches he's he's the one that they're cooing over this mm-hmm. this year here he's the one that people are turning up to catch a glimpse of for the first time he's the and, one they need to yeah. be honest in the absence of the other big stars they need Alcaraz to I mean there, there, there's some good American uh, players a lot of American interest with Tiafa and Fritz and Paul um, but they really could do with the electricity of Alcaraz because that's what he's got. Sure does. We'll let you know <laughs> who <laughs> who he faced, past tense, uh, when we're back with you in a couple of days' time to wrap up all of the quarterfinal action. Uh, we're going to continue to do our appearances uh, to, to meet as many of you as possible at the Steve Fogel's booth on site at Indian Wells. Uh, that'll be tomorrow at midday. Yeah, you 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 may do a sort of. I swoop am by. presenting for Amazon from tomorrow. We're yeah. on air from ten forty local time, which is five forty UK time tomorrow. Um, but I'll be in the vicinity, and I will be I'll be trying to swoop by, and at the very least, you'll get to meet David and Matt, which which is the best part of the deal anyway, I promise you. Um, mm. And they also mm. like seeing pictures of dogs. So yeah, that's true. There so. You go. so do come and see us <laughs> at midday tomorrow at the Steve Fergal's booth. And of course, anybody that signs up for the package, any listener to the tennis podcast that signs up for a package in the Steve Fergal's International Tennis Tours booth gets a 5% discount. Uh, and if you're a friend of the pod... In the UK or the US, you have a chance to enter our competition to win an extraordinary prize package to come to the BNP Paribas Open in 2024. Three nights stay at a four-star hotel here in Indian Wells. I don't think there's anything less than four-star hotels in Indian Wells. I don't they, think they bother. The, they don't look like this and <laughs> where we're from. <laughs> um, and you get to watch all of the men's and women's semi-finals and 
finals. It is a heck of a prize package. You'll also get transportation to and from the venue, VIP package, the lot. It's an extraordinary prize. And if you'd like to enter, become a friend. Obviously, if you haven't already, the link to do that is in our show notes. And go to the following URL, toursfortennis.com forward slash podcast forward slash TTP tours the number four tennis.com forward slash podcast forward slash ttp tango tango papa very good to be clear uh and thank you of course to steve fergals and to one location for bringing us here to indian wells and for allowing us to have a lovely lovely time we sure are we sure are we will be back with you on thursday as i say to wrap up all the quarterfinal action and we'll be daily with you throughout the remainder of the tournament from that point onwards we have a mascot today folks that mascot is bruno a three-year-old french bulldog who was adopted in april of 2022 from true north rescue mission and came all the way from dallas texas to now reside in brooklyn new york oh that's like I don't know, you can make a film out of that. (laughs) Um, That's lovely. And Bruno is lovely. Matt, there's always a moment in the day if I'm at the desk at the same time this is happening with Matt, where Matt says, oh, you're going to love, you're going to love the mascot today, Catherine. (laughs) He says it every day. Um, And I do. Bruno is an absolute delight. So thank you for being a mascot for the tennis podcast. We have our mascots. David has Maisie. Right, Maisie. I've got Xenia. Matt has Maisie. No. You haven't Sorry. got Maisie, Matt. No, I haven't, I haven't stolen David's mascot yet. <laughs> Blimey, no. Next, year, <laughs> next year, you'll probably have Maisie. <laughs> I have Darwin. You've got Darwin. Billy Jean is sponsored by Billy Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have our top folks and executive producers, Jamie, Hannah and Drew. And we have shout outs, Matt. We have Swapna Sarte from Cincinnati. Swapna Sarte from Cincinnati. That's a... It's good, isn't it? I don't know. Just sounds good. Mm. Swapna says, I share David's 90s tennis nostalgia. Go on, Swapna. I had no topspin backhand until my 20s because of hours spent watching Steffi Graf. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's just not what you need to do. You need to have a nice slice. Mm. Cincinnati, well, it's actually not home of the Cincinnati tournament. I was going to say I've been to Cincinnati, but Mm. actually I haven't. I've been to Mason, Ohio, which is which is where the Cincinnati tournament is. But I've I've flown into and out of Cincinnati. Mm. Thank you, Swapner. We've also got Lisa Tomlinson who recently moved to Oklahoma from Southern California. Oh. All right, Lisa. We had some listeners from Oklahoma today, didn't we? We did indeed, yeah. I believe it's too far away to drive, or that's what they told us. I mean, I tried to find out how far it is, how long it takes to drive, and she she couldn't tell me. (laughs) Lisa says that she's been a listener since Andy Murray's run to number one in 2016. And everything else since then, from COVID to taking you along on my 1,500-mile drive <gasps> from Southern California Oof. to Oklahoma. Wow. Oklahoma. wow. That's mm. a long way. That is a, that is a long old drive, that, isn't it? Mm. 
I mean, that's just not a drive, us, is it? <laughs> yeah. That's a find alternative means of transport. Yeah. That's some sort of space flight. Mm. Uh, thank you, Lisa. And finally, we have Kelly Pepin, who is from Seattle. Hey! All right, Kelly. And Kelly says, I've been a tennis fan since I was very young, thanks to my mum. We watch tennis together all the time, often setting alarms for very strange times of the day or night. Our family think we're nuts. <laughs> Relatable. Mm. Is she a seahawk? Any tennis Kellys? Uh, Kelly Evenden. <laughs> what a shout that is. <laughs> oh, you may not be, who, I may not be right. It? It's somebody from the 80s, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> As Felix Can you come up with another one? Because Felix has just saved He's, just, he's, just, he's just saved another two match points. He's just saved a sixth match point in the I thought match. you were going to be able to produce enough Kellys to yeah. get us through until the result of this, David. I think there might be a Kelly Jones. No, that is the lead singer with the stereophonics. <laughs> Well, there is a Kelly Jones then. She's not a tennis player. <laughs> the leads are the Shall st- I look it up? St- oh Let gosh. me see. The good news is nobody's, everyone's turned off. Yeah. So. Well, maybe they're waiting for the results. <laughs> Kelly. I mean, it's a surname and a first name, so there should be some. Kelly Graham Evenden is a former professional tennis player from New Zealand. Evenden turned professional in 1985 and won his first doubles title in 1986 at Cologne. So there we are, 61 years of age. Any more details about Kelly Evenden? We're mm, just in a... It's a long rally. <laughs> <laughs> five, five foot nine. <laughs> Any other tennis Kellys? Quarterfinals of the Australian <laughs> Open. It's so long. <laughs> Uh, let me just look oh. up Kelly Jones. Hold on a second. <laughs> see if, see. It's ma- is, this is Felix's first match point, isn't it? Kelly Jones is an American former world number one doubles player. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so good at this. <laughs> Jones reached the finals at doubles at the Australian and US Opens in... 1992. <laughs> That's why you know. Who was his partner, David? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let's find out. Let's find out. He's 58 years of age, <laughs> and his doubles partner, when he won the doubles at the Australian Open and the US Open, was... Let's have a look. <laughs> <laughs> This is a new segment. Felix, we like to call Felix takes David such a Googles. long time between points. Oh, he's he's only gone and done it. Who's call what? off the search, David. Who's no one? one cares. Felix, Felix you're is joking. Save six match points. I think. That wow. is crazy. Well played. Wow. Well played to him. Wow. Good hug at the net. Yeah, that was real respect from Tommy yeah. Paul there, wasn't it? I mean, he, well, he that's knows. that's that's big from Felix. Big from Felix. He, ne- he needed this. And now this week. he plays Alcaraz, who he's beaten three times. Mm. Love that. Okay, David. So, Kelly Jones and Kelly Everton, <laughs> thank you for your service. <laughs> Did we ever find out who Kelly Jones's doubles partner was? No, 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 no. we, no, we okay. cancelled that. We don't need to anymore. <laughs> <Fine>. No, <laughs> we've got the result in. It's all fine. I don't care no anyway. No listening anyway. Thank you if you still are. We'll be back in two days' time. We'll speak to you then. 
It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.